0: Welcome to the Bunkerzilla Fun Raw here at Bunkers in the UK, the place where we digest the latest movie news and movie reviews. I am your host, as always, Ian Bolton, and I am joined by my cinematic partner in crime. It is, of course,
1: Christian R. Allen. Oh, how do I'm I'm on television? This is scary. Yes, exciting. I like it. How your you- teeth are very shiny. I haven't noticed before. Ah, can we add a little Colgate sort of sparkle onto your screen? I-
0: I'd rather not, I'd be a bit concerned if that was the case
1: <laughs> it's like, it, would be, it would be a digital effect, not in real life I mean, if you could do that in real life then you should definitely see a dentist, obviously
0: I can't remember the last time I went to see a dentist What? But I still brush, th- I floss, I do all that
1: No you don't, you make me do it Yes, you drive, because all the, be- <laughs> you drive all the
0: way down from Southampton just to say, hey, no, you don't drive down, you drive up.
1: No, I drive up. You drive I up. I drive up to brush your teeth. But the thing is, because hey, you're so tall compared to me, I have to use one of those crazy French feather dusters.
0: Ah, uh, to
1: Yeah, absolutely. I've been watching a lot of French movies lately. You can tell. Uh. That's all I think about now is French feather dusters. Mm.
0: But anyway, how are you doing? How's your cinematic week been?
1: I've just told you, French... Feather Dusters, that's my cinematic week. Um, no, i yeah, I've, I'm actually, we've been, um, what well, have I watched this week? I made the mistake of watching Amelie again for the 600th time, which means I have developed the biggest crush on Audrey Tattoo. Uh, 15 year old me has just kicked me in the face, and now I don't know what to do about it, so I might just have to watch Amelie again. It's the only real cure. Oh, dear. Well, I, I,
0: I, have I seen Amelie before? I think he I have. Ha- you- I think he I have. You
1: must have, have seen Amelie. Every single film student in the early noughties watched Amelie. But you forget, it's like, it's.
0: You forget. I, I didn't do film studies. I did video production, not film studies.
1: Ah, so you watched Hollyoaks. That's what we did in film production. We watched Hollyoaks as a how not to make television.
0: Ah, okay.
1: Fair enough. It's incredible. The acting, the writing, the lighting, the the staging, <laughs> the framing, everything is just wrong. Okay. It's re- really fascinating. Um, don't know.
0: <laughs> I think to a degree, I think I have watched Bits and Pieces of Amelie. I probably need to properly watch it because that was back when I was just a humble young adult full of film knowledge and just all over the place,
1: I suppose. But you then, still are. I mean, that description perfectly describes you today. Well, I was more but...
0: I was more focused on mainstream stuff. It wasn't until I saw like House of Flying Daggers at the cinema, I went, oh, oh, there's a whole world of film out there. Well,
1: yeah, it's just like just just... If you can get past the subtitles you'll be you'll be dandy lovely like uh amelie was my introduction to french cinema and um mm. it's, it still remains in my top 10 uh i feel for i think i'd say i've got two two movies in my top 10 that are french what, what amelie's definitely one obviously and um Lahaine, have you ever seen it
0: oh yes you have talked about it before on the show
1: yes yes that was a very good film but um yeah jumping onto that uh, my partner followed up by picking um the double life of veronique, veronique. Um, uh, which is directed by, uh, Christophe, uh, I, I, I think I mentioned him a few weeks ago. I started watching the Free Color trilogy as well. okay. Sort of, uh, Blue, White and Red. So it's just like he did b- before that. I think, I think this may be his first French language movie. I need to double check that. But, um, yeah, it's very similar in tone to Amelie as well. It's, um, about doubles. Uh-huh. And, um, and sort of like, you know, it's, it's, it's almost, it's almost a fairy tale. I don't want to talk too much about it because I, I would do strongly recommend it if you like Amelie. Um, But there is, um, yeah, there's a a slight mystery throughout the movie that's slowly peeled away throughout, and it's uh, it's a very mesmerising experience. Uh, Definitely worth a watch. Okay, cool. Uh, And the other films I've watched this week, again, another French-language movie. I don't know why. Uh, um, I jumped into the wonderful world of French gangster violence that is Marine. Uh, Ah, I love... or Mesrine, if you wanna to be totally butcher it in your yeah, anglicised accent.
0: I I love I mean. I actually saw this at the cinema when it first came out. And I well, did the whole four-hour cut. Well, they did they released it as two separate films. You have Public Enemy number one and Killer Instinct.
1: I think That's it's, what yeah, I watched. I, I watched I watched um Killer Instinct, which I think yeah, is the first part. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I got the titles the wrong way around. But the way the cinema did it was you'd watch Killer Instinct. Uh, and then you would have like a ten minute break, and then you go back in, and it's like another performance, but this time it's part two rather than part one.
1: I I I'm not sure if I enjoyed it that much. I um, it it felt a bit too. Um, I thought that I I'm, I'm aware I may be an outlier here because I've only ever heard praise for this film, and you've just backed that up. So you, what what did you take from it? What was your thoughts?
0: Well, the whole the whole sort of criminal legacy of of Jacques Marine is. It's vast, and the two films are, are tonally very different. I mean, Killer Instinct is basically his sort of rise to prominence, I suppose, from working with Gérard uh, Depardieu's uh, criminal mafia and that sort of stuff, all the way when he goes over to Canada and gets sort of put in jail and all that sort of stuff. So Killer Instinct is all about the sort of the celebrity of of maybe sort of rising, uh, even though there are times when he's trying to go straight, or they try to demonstrate that he didn't really want to do this but if the world's going to tell him screw you then of course he's going to do that. Um but then public enemy number 1 is when I think he gets too caught up in the celebrity and the ego and he starts sort of thinking oh I should be this big huge name I'm this huge criminal name and you kind of see it all go slowly wrong all around him. Um it kind of it's it's very much similar to how Carlos uh Carlos uh the movie of met the movie with Edgar Ramirez plays out because, again, it's like you start off with the humble beginnings, and then you see you see him get sort of raised to notoriety,
1: and then it all just goes collapses. Well, the, the film that spoke to mind was Scarface, oh, yeah, or the, the, the the modern iteration. Mm. Um, would you would you would you say watch part two to have a full opinion? Because I, I don't know if I'd want to invest another two hours in this. To be honest, I I thought it was just a series of inconsequential. Um, Scenes that didn't really fit together very well. Okay, it, it felt it, this was my take. For it. I, I couldn't, I couldn't invest in the character. Mm. I found him just too morally reprehensible. Because normally I find these movies they, they, they either they either framed through a law official that you can kind of get behind, or the the criminal. Because obviously this is real history, the criminal has enough charisma. Kind of like um, Johnny Depp in Public Enemy sort of springs to yeah. mind. That you sort of like taking along I, with him. I couldn't really get. I, I don't know. I just didn't, wasn't interested in him at all.
0: I think to a point, the film is, I think you're not necessarily supposed to be fully rooting or kind of empathising to a full degree with Jacques Meirin because at the end of the day, he is a very nasty individual. Hmm. Um, I would say before we kind of, I, I would recommend you watch Public Enemy Number 1 as well just to get the full story because the opening bit of Meirin Killer Instinct it goes all the it's sort of it, it highlights a very pivotal scene in public enemy number one. And we don't go back to that at all. It's basically by the end of
1: Yes, I noticed that. By yeah. the end of
0: Killer Instinct it goes, as for Jacques Marine, end of part un, or, um, <laughs> un. I can't do French, I apologize. Shimmer
1: <laughs> pal part one. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Um, I I re- I I like the films. Um, I'm a big fan of it at Cassell um and it's like and i i find it quite fascinating with this film well i
1: mean he's he's the lead in la yeah
0: he's yeah he is and again it's like i've seen bits and pieces of la i need to properly watch la right
1: you, you come round mine we'll watch la and amélie okay right so french
0: cinema lesson
1: yes and maybe just just as a, as a bit of a palate cleanser for the misery of la we'll watch the umbrellas of charles as well oh delightful um,
0: i would say i i kind of like Vincent Cassell's sort of dedication to doing, um, doing Mayween because he put on a lot of weight and they filmed the second film first and then they went
1: back. Oh, so he had to lose the weight. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So they, rather than, so like, oh, I'll do this and then I'll go put on the weight, it's no, no, no. I will go, I will do the film like this now and then I will lose the weight. I think it was kind of something similar to um, Castaway, I think. Because I know they, yes. they, had a, they had a break there. It's like they had a break. Uh, the break-in production where Tom Hanks had to lose weight and Robert Zemeckis went off and did What Lies Beneath. So I think everyone kind of one. What Lies Beneath is kind of like a, <laughs> is, is a very Hitchcockian horror, or not really horror, it's like supernatural thriller, but it's quite, f- I saw
1: it at the cinema I, t- it t- scared t- I, me. Tot- I totally forgot that was a film, to be honest. <laughs> That's the impression it had on me. Uh, like- Har-
0: Harrison Ford, Michelle Pfeiffer, happily married couple, all hell breaks loose. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Nah, nah Castaway is much better. I just watched Castaway. Oh, fair enough. I think Castaway was his last decent movie, to be honest. Mm. Uh,
0: what else is on your cinematic plate for this week, or is that is that the end of your list? I will get my list
1: up. Fair enough. Like, really. how
0: many films have you watched?
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> we because we watch so many films now, we've had to keep a tracker of like because um, obviously we're taking turns picking films. Oh, so where was I last time? Oh gosh! So yeah, we watched quite a few. So I watched *Grace Point Blank*. Okay. Uh, Over uh, John Cusack. Say pronounce his name, isn't it? John Cusack. Cusack. Jude Cusack, of course. Should have stuck with the French, obviously. <laughs> um, yeah, it was interesting. I, I, I think I appreciated it more for Dan Aykroyd's cameo. Oh uh,
0: yes, It's the rival hitman.
1: Yes, he is. He he, he plays the lovable asshole to a T. Mm. Like um, like absolutely deplorable, but enjoyable nevertheless. Um, so that that kicked us off on a sort of quest for quirky, offbeat romances. Because obviously, the 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 point of the movie is him trying to get back together with uh Minnie Driver's character, who he he basically did not necessarily dumped, but just disappeared from her life. The moment he was meant to take her to prom, which has obviously left a psychological scar, and he spent the next ten years working as an assassin. So, yeah, as, slight yeah. clash, as you do, slight clash of um of, slight clash of cultures there, which is quite amusing. I love the way the film kind of um, it 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 it, it, it the the violence is very um, it's not so consequential. It's it's almost cartoonish, and um, the film yeah. just goes of it, and it's it yeah, it works. Uh, following that, we also we we watched um, Secretary, the sort of the BDSM movie with oh, yes. uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal, which is um, again it's, it's it's an interesting piece. I enjoyed it. It um it felt it didn't feel as horrendously seedy as sort of like um I don't know Fifty Shades of Grey and those mm. sort of other films. It was a, it was a strange sweetness to the film, and you're kind of rooting for them, even though <laughs> any other time, any other person. This, this situation being um, explored in the film could be uh, incredibly problematic. Um, are you familiar with the film at all?
0: Uh, yes, I have
1: seen it. Yeah. So uh, again, I would I would recommend it. Um, not a family feature, obviously uh, not. <laughs> <laughs> um, and on from there, we watched. Do, 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 do. Aha, yes, we watched the Lobster. Oh yes, is this the? Um, is this Colin Farrell? Uh, yes um uh just bring up because this is
0: the this is the story about like when you hit a particular age or something like that you turn into an animal or something
1: basically it's (laughs) so the premise is if you do not find love uh for a prolonged period of time say you're single for a year Mm. it's never really made clear in the movie you are taken to a special room and you're transformed into an animal um and i mean it's an absurdist piece it, mm. um it's sounds a, it's it sounds it's kind of yeah yes and it's it's interesting because no one really no one really fights against it so much um a lot of the world seems to just accept this is the reality they find themselves in so it's um but it's um it was directed uh by Jorgis um, uh lavamos who's probably you're probably more familiar with the favorite was the biggest he also did dogtooth i believe yes he did yes yeah. he did he did talk tooth. I haven't and, seen uh, dogtooth
0: but i know it's a Big favourite film, of, I think of um, of one of our fellow uh, bunker Circle contributors, Leslie Pitt from Hustlers of Culture. I know he. I think it was. Uh, yeah, I remember him talking really well about Dogtooth. But I, again, I haven't seen the favourite, and it's like I kind of would really. Like, I I kind of would like to, but I also know that people are going, oh, it's not what I expect. It's like, oh, so it's definitely an art house film then. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it, I mean, The Lobster's an art house movie. I mean, yeah. all every every piece of of his I've, I've seen is. is art house however there was definitely mainstream appeal i mean I, I, the lobster i thought was hilarious mm. uh and it's a brilliant cameos all the way throughout uh john c Reilly and um ben Wishar. And, and olivia Coleman. olivia Coleman's great um she plays the um the sort of the the own, owner of a hotel that specializes in helping singles uh form uh bonds between one another only it's it's horrendously artificial and mm. it's just really quite depressing um, sort of this world he's constructed. Um, you can only form a bond with someone who has something in common with you. Okay. For whether or not it be something like a limp, short sightedness, or uh, or suffering an infrequent nosebleed. Mm. Um, yeah, it's it's just a, a, a hilarious yet also incredibly nightmarish dystopian um, piece of uh, absurd comedy. I I would recommend it, and, and Colin Farrell in particular. He's he's hilarious. He, he's very I don't think he's ever given a performance like this. He's very... I don't know if downtrodden's the word, but emotionally stunted and kind of broken. Okay. Um, And yes, I would recommend I would recommend The Favourite as well. Um, uh, Rachel Rises stars in The Lobster as well as one of the love interests. And obviously she was Sarah Churchill in The Favourite. Um, Yeah, um, it's... (laughs) I think The Favourite rubbed a few people the wrong way because I don't think it was... necessarily sold as the movie it is
0: yeah i'm getting uh, i got that
1: yeah i think a lot of people went into it thinking it was going to be a f- uh a fun oh isn't this queen anne character slightly silly and what we got was a um in a quite a quite a so- psychologically complex um lesbian drama which um i was i, I thoroughly enjoyed i loved it to bits and oliva coleman's performance deservedly um um, and all those awards and nominations mm. although I'm a bit, i've been a big fan of olivia coleman since I, I became obsessed with peep show when i was like 15 so i mean it's been it's been great seeing her sort of rise to prominence mm-hmm. and um and if you if you want to laugh watch her oscar acceptance speech it's just yeah yeah i remember a lot
0: of the speeches being quite quite silly but also quite touching as well which is really nice
1: Ah. But yeah, those those were my films. I, I should have made I should have made more uh, more detailed notes. To be honest, but I, ah, I've been okay. wa- I've been watching so many films of late that I've kind of forgot. I'm kind of all bleeding into one.
0: I've I've only kind of watched. I think I think I've watched about three films out at five. If we include this episode's uh, two reviews, which we will be getting to very very shortly.
1: I I never can cons- I never count the films we're reviewing as uh <laughs> This is. The- those films I watched for entertainment. These films I did not.
0: <laughs> it's like these films are a chore. These films are delightful.
1: I, actually, I'll say that one film we watched this week was a chore. Okay. Yeah.
0: Answers on postcards, boys and girls.
1: <laughs> yeah. Probably, you'll probably know by the end of the episode. I'm more interested in your opinions on a certain uh, canine-themed movie. Mm. Yeah. Anyway. So, my yes. What week- films were you, What films did you watch?
0: Well, the Kerry Grant marathon continued. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I started off this week watching uh, Charade, which is 1963, Cary Grant and Audrey Hepburn. Uh, Audrey Hepburn plays a widower whose husband is bumped off in the opening scene um, and she discovers that he's been murdered or has died. And um, she soon starts finding herself being kind of pestered and chased by... All these different people who want the quarter of a million dollars that her husband believes uh, they believe has stolen or has in his possession, which now means she must have in her possession. Um, so you've got like people like it's like you've got uh, a young James Coburn as one of as one of the people trying to find the money. Uh, you've got Walter Matthau as uh, a CIA operative agent, head of department who wants the money back and kind of say, No, do your government proud. Give me the money. Give me the money back before he sends you to jail for your husband's crimes. And Kerry Grant also turns up as this sort of. He begins to be. He originally, he comes across as this original. Oh, I'm just, just this, this charming, this charming middle aged man just here to sweep you off your feet. But as the film progresses, no one's no one's true identities or motives are really what they're trying to do and it just becomes kind of like a continuous turning of of changing of priorities who's who who's the goodies who are the baddies all that sort of stuff and it gets really really crazy towards the end. but i really really like this film um it's it's kind of it's kind of like uh a cheeky uh thriller with a with a, a nice slab dash of romantic comedy between Cary Grant and Audrey Hepburn And their and their chemistry is amazing in this. Um it's a shame. Oh, that this is the only film they did together. Which is a shame. Really? I thought yeah. they did more. Yeah, this is like um one of the final uh film roles from Cary Grant before he retired. Um because hmm. he, he he retired. I think he didn't pass away till about I think the eighties. Um but yeah, I think he was just coming to the end cause he end of his career at that stage cuz he was he'd been in films on like 1930s all all the way through so it's yeah, like a so, number of
1: a number of um, sort of war um patriotic war movies. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and um no, I I really enjoy it. Um I would recommend getting the Blu-ray of of Charade. which um, you, you can get I think from all good places. It's it's nice and cheap. It's about 5 6 quid. Um the reason why cuz you'll see it pop up several times on um on Amazon Prime because uh, Charade, it was one of those films where it didn't really have an actual proper rights owner or well, basically the rights expired. So then everyone could, everyone and anyone who wanted to release the film could. It was, a, it was a straight it was a strange sort of public domain thing. So if you look on Amazon Prime, there's like five, there's like a couple, like three to five different places saying, "Hey, watch Shohada here." And I was going through and I just got more frustrated because it was clearly full screen and clearly bad quality video. So, go, uh, so I went. You know what? I'm just going to go and get the Universal Blu-ray because that makes a lot more sense, and it's in the right ratio, and it's quite and it looks good for film for film that's I think coming up. Well, it's over 50 years, but yeah, it looks what, it looks what, good.
1: What, what you're finding is a lot of early silent movies. Obviously, they're falling into public domain, mm. and I, I finding a decent distributor for some some silent movies. You're interested in is, is increasingly can be quite difficult because. Um, uh, some some studios, uh, some distributors, they'll, they'll own the copyright of their remaster, mm. and they'll put a watermark throughout the film. Oh so dear! It's like a, it's just <laughs> a modern logo. Like you, I, I mean, I hate it when you see like BBC on the top left corner when you're watching yeah. something. I mean, like so imagine that on a on a film you've bought on blue. <laughs> oh,
0: oh I, oh, I I hope. And I I don't know if this has ever been the case on of like Amazon Prime or something like that, where you just have like. This video was made with the Windows Movie Maker 2004 edition.com. <laughs> not, not,
1: not that I would ever recommend doing this. but no, it is don't very, do if, that at all. It's, well, just as I say, it's, it's very cheeky when you illegally download a movie vi- via various popular torrent sites. That's mm. something you should never do. Don't do but that. It's even, it's even cheekier that, that the person who's uploaded it has put their own, like, in Comic Sans purple, like, a link to their website. During the credits and like come on.
0: <laughs> that's just uh, that's just
1: beyond cheeky now. Oh dear. But yes, don't don't do that, kids. It's not good. <laughs> no, don't it do-
0: doesn't it doesn't help anyone in, this, in in the filmmaking
1: industry. Every bloody film is on YouTube for three quid. Just, just buy it on YouTube. Anyway, um, what was your other Cary Grant movie? Did uh, you clearly watch more Cary Grant movies? I
0: watched more Cary Grant movies by by the Battle So I
1: spent I spent the week in France. You spent the week in Cary Grant. That sounds that sounded slightly dodgy. I do apologise.
0: Well, the last film of his I've watched so far is North by Northwest. Ah, oh, which is just magnifique. The it's one of the best Hitchcock films, and basically one of my just one of the films best ever. films. One it's of my just, favorite yeah. films ever, yeah. Because um, uh, Cary Grant is an advertising man who gets mistaken for this CIA spy, and <laughs> and and he has to go on the run to try and prove his innocence after he's em- embroiled in a murder plot at uh, or embroiled in an actual murder at the UN.
1: And, As you
0: do, and this this is just basically. Hitchcock firing in all cylinders. So basically Hitchcock knowing how to kind of really set up suspense and fills and stuff like that. But there's also still a vague comic underside to this film. And that's anchored with Cary Grant's performance because the whole, the whole original scene of him sort of saying, I'm, I'm not this George Kaplan, I'm Roger Thornhill. And he's kind of, he's getting more and more irate as it goes along and they sort of leave him in a room full (laughs) of books and he goes, Oh, it's okay. I'll just do some reading while you're away and all those little jokes. I, I, I love the sort of his uh, initial escape from being kind of uh, boozed up with all this bourbon and put in a car and he somehow manages through sheer luck to manage to drunk drive himself all the way to safety.
1: I mean, we've all done it.
0: Uh, I mean, it's probably not do it in real life. That's probably not an ideal thing, but um,
1: can I I confirm whenever you've been in a field of wheat, you haven't had a, like a biplane just swoop at you. No, no, uh, no, 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 probably for the best,
0: but yeah, it's just, oh, it's like drunk, drunk Cary Grant is a treasure, (laughs) it's when he's trying to, when he's trying to be drunk, and then it's like the day after when he's tried to kind of prove what's happened to, us. like, no, I came here, and I got drunk, and they put me in a car, and they tried to kill me, and the person who's impersonating the, the wife of the person who supposedly kidnapped him it's going. Oh, did you borrow Laura's Mercedes again? No, I did not get drunk and borrow Laura's Mercedes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just wonderful. It's just like, it's, it's like there's that nice sort of comic undercurrent to it, but it's still a very gripping, engaging, and and just just propelling uh, thriller. It's like it's about. I think it's one of his longest films. It's about two hours 15, two hours twenty.
1: Yeah, good for that, doesn't it?
0: But it doesn't feel like that. And yeah, you've got a wonderful cast. You've got James Mason, uh Eva St. Marie as well as Love Interest. Really, really good. If you if you haven't seen any Hitchcock films, that's the, that's one of the oh. films to clearly start off with. And as soon as the 4K release is done I'm going for that.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll be jumping at that. I think in terms of introducing Hitchcock, the, the ones I'd recommend would be North by Northwest, yeah. Psycho, mm. and dial for Murder. They're mm. probably the ones that spring to mind.
0: Which I do have dial for Murder in this uh, Blu-ray set I bought the other day. Um, it also comes with the Blu-ray 3D version, which is a bit weird, because I, I think they did release this as a 3D film back in the day. Really? I'm
1: not sure. I need to read more into with, that. The, with the red and blue glasses? Possibly, yes. But this has oh,
0: yeah. now been remastered for proper Blu-ray 3D. So basically the non... So like the passive glasses or the active glasses. So many different 3D techniques out there, boys and girls.
1: And they all die on their ass because no one likes it.
0: Uh, well, it's, it's, still, it's, it's quietly going in the background. It's like, I'm still here. Great. <laughs> 3D?
1: No. Avatar is ten years old. Get over it.
0: Uh, it's gonna it's gonna come back for Avatar two, isn't it?
1: And Avatar three, and Avatar <laughs> and, four, and Avatar five, and Avatar Avatar, five. Five, and Adaf- Avatar six.
0: <laughs> now you sounded like Arnold Schwarzenegger trying to pronounce Avatar. Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> Avatar. Avatar. Everyone loves Avatar. <laughs>
1: Uh, and what dear. was your third Cary Grant movie? Uh,
0: no, it wasn't a Cary Grant film. No, I had two Cary Grant films this week. The last film I watched yesterday, it was Equalizer with Denzel Washington. It's the um Hollywood cinematic attempt at doing like the, the classic... You always
1: said Hollywoo. Hollywoo. No, Hollywood
0: Hollywood's take on the on the 80s TV show, which I believe starred Edward Woodward as yes. um as a mysterious man who goes around solving people's problems equalizing them the best way he can do how um i've seen the film a couple of times now i saw it at the cinema and i was like yeah this is this is all right it's it's nothing really home to, to write to write home it's, about. it's
1: kind of post taken yeah uh, g- Silverhead haired gentleman yeah but father. i
0: i enjoyed this a lot more when you're watching it with groups so i watched it with some friends a couple of years back and we just coined the term oh he's going to get denzeled <laughs> <laughs> and basic, basically, Denzel, when he sort of goes off, well, shout,
1: them, he's going, Oh, am I doing the thing where I'm I'm joining another group?
0: Oh, oh. <laughs>
1: you had to be there, you had to be there.
0: Um, but yeah, when, when Denzel goes to town on baddies and he's incredibly violent, the, the 4K Blu ray has an 18 rated cut of the film, which
1: is just yeah, because <laughs> this was prime time American television, so there would have been an element of violence, surely, but not yeah. to this degree. I remember, I've, I've only caught about a quarter of the film, it, wasn't, mm. it didn't really take my interest, to be honest. Mm. Um, and I was, I was pleasantly surprised by the amount of violence. Mm. Yeah, it's, I mean, not it, as violent as Scoob, obviously, but we'll talk about. Oh, that Oh no, Scoob!
0: Scoob! Uber violence! How dare! Um, anyway, uh, yeah, Equalizer. It, it's a, it's a very serviceable uh, action action film with Denzel Washington. I think the fact that Washington's involved adds a bit of prestige to it and kind of makes it feel a bit more interesting i think it could eat, i think with the wrong actor this would have just been eh yeah move on but the fact is washington i think the fact is people took to the original film at the box office so well that washington actually did his first ever sequel with equalizer
1: is is it yeah
0: yeah i, I
1: think you're right
0: yeah denzel washington has not appeared in sequels or anything like that the equalizer 2 was the only time he went okay i'll, I'll come back
1: because but there are but there are ten Malcolm movies, right? That's a terrible <laughs> joke. That's awful. Oh, I feel bad for saying that. Oh, that's so bad. That's just. <laughs> I guarantee someone at the cinema in the mid nineties went, uh, pre- definitely in America. Went, can I? Hey, can I have a ticket to Malcolm Ten, please? That definitely. I worked in a cinema. That definitely happened.
0: It's like I still, I still love the ideas of 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 audience people coming up, getting their tickets and asking the most random questions about films. It's like, what's next on a Plane about?
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's about a man man, man who's been wrongly imprisoned after falsely accused of murdering his wife and has to escape, right? It's that one. Yeah, kind of. Or
0: when they can't see anything, they say, oh, do you have Harry Potter or Cats and Dogs? Cats and Dogs? No, this isn't cats and dogs. This isn't a this isn't a portable film library where we just go, oh look, cats and dogs.
1: Just just there! (laughs) Cats and dogs. I mean my question to you, Ian, is why weren't you screening cats and dogs, the beloved Jeff Goldblum movie, over and over again every single week for the entire time you worked there as a manager? That's, that would have been my first question. Every morning I would have opened the keys to the cinema, because that's what you do. Open the keys to the projector, because again, mm. that's what you do, and pop in my my VHS copy of uh, Cats and Dogs.
0: <laughs> I just imagine you now just with a copy of Cats and Dogs, just going, let me play this song. And you're just trying to ram it into the 35mm <laughs> projector. Into a projector.
1: <laughs> oh, Why man. is this not working? <laughs> it's like i just tr- i take out the tape and try to roll the tape around to see what happens
0: then I know what happened oh! you just
1: you just get a, a black screen and the most horrendous sound you ever hear in your life
0: so basically cinemas don't let christian R alleny your projection equipment when he brings in a vHs copy of cats and dogs
1: i bring i br- it's two thousand and twenty I'll bring a memory stick with a, an illegally downloaded copy <laughs> with someone's bloody name tagged on it in comic Sans. Oh, God. That's what I'll do, obviously. Cats and dogs. I mean, that's a far better movie than North by Northwest, right? Because unlike that film, it has cats, dogs, and Jeff Goldblum. For the benefit of our listeners on our podcast, uh, Ian is just staring at me over the internet, and I'm both scared and aroused in equal measure. Make of that what you will. Let's move on to the news, shall we? (laughs) No, I want to talk about Cats and Dogs for the entire podcast. No. no. (laughs) Actually, actually, just a quick one. Was there a sequel to Cats and Dogs?
0: Yes, The Rise of Kitty Galore.
1: Is it as awful as I imagine it it, to be?
0: I can't remember. I did see it at the cinema. I can't remember.
1: It's like, although I had a lasting impression on you, obviously.
0: Well, it was just kind of, well, I could see it for free. Fair enough. Yeah. (laughs) When did it come? When did did that come? Right. Okay, we're going to talk. We're going to look at this, and then we're going to move on to the news. Because, oh my God, how long did you think it took between Cats and Dogs one and Cats and Dogs two? So,
1: Cats and One that was was that 97, 98? Cats and Dogs
0: two thousand one.
1: Was that late? Yeah, I thought oh. it was the mid nineties. Oh, no, no, two thousand one. Two thousand one. I oh, then I guess it's like fifteen years.
0: Two thousand ten for the Revenge of Kitty Galore.
1: So nine years. I'm amazed there was a sequel to begin with, because let's face it, Cats and Dogs hasn't exactly um, left a depression in the uh, cultural zeitgeist, has it?
0: Well, it's not like Bad Boys for Life.
1: Which is the third film in the series, which will always annoy me, that it's mm. not called Bad Boys Free Life.
0: <laughs> you, you had this argument when we did the review many, yeah, many and, months and, ago. and
1: the argument hasn't been resolved. <laughs> it's like, will Fair there enough. be a Malcolm 11 We'll never know.
0: We'll never know. We'll never streets. know.
1: Anyway, let's
0: move on to the news. Uh, I've got two, uh, two little nuggets for you. Let's start off with the return of Parasite. Uh, Parasite, yes. the upcoming film, is getting a re-release this July uh, to cinemas, hopefully. And via Curzon Home Cinema Streaming Service from July 24th. Now, the difference is this is going to be presented in black and white. And it's to kind of encompass the sort of Hitchcockian style of the, of the film, of the, of the frills, and also of the drama as well. Uh, the black and white transfer is approved and supervised by the director himself, Bong jun hun multi Multi-Oscar-worthy Bong jun hoon might I add.
1: Absolutely, and apps well, bloody deserved. Yep. Um, so this this is, this is similar to the Mad Max Chrome cut. Uh, yeah, similar. Yeah. yeah,
0: pretty much. There's no there's nothing there's nothing brand new content wise to the film. The fact is, it just has a black and white uh, aesthetic to it now. Interesting. Um, so, and I think it, I I think it's it might be a nice new. I think I think sometimes with these sort of types of films, I can understand where they're coming from. I think it's more for the fans and kind of more for the film completists. Um, it's like we were talking yeah. about director's cuts last episode. And it's kind of like, it makes sense if something's r- drastically different or you're presenting a, a, a brand new vision. I mean, yeah, black and white is still.
1: Quite That's a, a
0: huge new, job. Yeah, it's a huge job because the film was clearly not filmed in black and white. It was filmed in color.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: so I think, I think this will be something I probably wouldn't mind ex- watching on digital. But, but then again, I know uh, the fact is it offers audiences another chance to see Parasite, new audiences to see Parasite, so it's it's a win win
1: generally overall. Yeah, we're um, not we're not losing the theatrical cut, no. So it's it's just more more content to play with, and I, I'll be. Yeah. I think I'm with you. I, I'd like to watch it once. I found the I found, found the cinematography in the theatrical version breathtaking. I, I thought mm. the use of color was especially during the um the night sequences in the the um. Sort of the uh, the lower class parts of the is is it Seoul? I think I believe it's based in Seoul. Um, sort of the working class parts, really quite effective. So I'm not I'm not sure how that would translate in black and white. Well, there is might, a trailer might available lose now. Some of that. Okay,
0: there's a trailer available now, so you can you can go and have a look and see, get an idea of what it is going to look like. Um,
1: I will investigate. Yeah.
0: Oh, and, they, and the the way they're pitching with the with the poster is quite cool. You know the original poster when we're looking in the outside garden and you've got all the Now, the black and white poster does it from the other angle.
1: Oh, I'm quick. Cr- sorry, I'm going to have to Google this. So, power. <laughs> so, basically... I love so- that poster. So,
0: you're on the inside of the house looking out.
1: Oh, that's really interesting. So that, do, 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 do. Again, this is a fi- <laughs> Okay. oh that that yeah if you if you're listening to us just google that poster or duck duck go if you're me mm. oh that's cool mm. oh that's great oh that's interesting because you you actually if you haven't seen them well if you haven't seen the movie watch the theatrical version first mm. then look at the, look at the poster because it slightly gives away something
0: mm.
1: oh, I'd, I'd, I'd i want that poster framed i'm gonna frame it and put it behind my wall right here yeah,
0: just get it printed out, A4 copy on your on your home home PC printer. No, I'll have to get go <laughs> some
1: some dodgy dealer on eBay with a big printer, obviously. You know, the sort of gets sort all of the stock thrown away every Comic Con.
0: Oh, those sort of reputable resellers.
1: Yeah. Yes, we totally came up with these two pieces of artwork on DeviantArt and smashed them together. So oh dear. Yeah. Oh, well we're talking
0: about Parasite. Yeah, yeah, so so yeah, that's that's Parasite Black and White Edition it's coming out July twenty-fourth. So it's gonna be on the streaming service from then. Uh and I think some some cinemas are already reopened. I think Odeon and Showcase are currently open at the moment. I mean the the showcase near me is definitely open. Um so
1: probably Cineworld uh, is gonna be the end of the month, I believe. Cineworld
0: World and Picture House will be the end of the month. So I wouldn't be surprised if if this dominates our programming as well. So yeah, yeah, it's probably it. probably a Probably a good way to revisit an Oscar winner.
1: I mean, we were making a joke a moment ago about sort of like, you know, cho- choosing the films you want to watch in mm. the cinema. But by the sounds of like it, the strategy will be playing as many classics as possible just mm. to generate interest and get bums on the scene.
0: The fact is, like, I've been looking at showcase in my area and I've, I've generally been going, ooh, that actually sounds appealing. Um, for example, they have The Matrix in their biggest screen. Ooh, five or five a ticket
1: seriously
0: yeah and this is when x plus showcase and reading's like 13 14 quid oh. and i'm going i'm seriously going you know what i am happy to put on a face mask and venture out that way if that's the case i mean i i'm i'm gonna be more intrigued how cinemas are going to be handling releases moving forward i mean considering it's actually a nice leading to the next story item that we're going to talk about and this is uh, another film that has been pushed back because of COVID. And it's now Halloween Kills. Uh, this is the sequel to the 2018 version of Halloween, which was directed by David Gordon Green, uh, produced by John Carpenter, and obviously had Jamie
1: Lee Curtis in. So is this technically in the new canon, the third Halloween movie?
0: I'm I'm not necessarily certain. Uh, I'm <laughs> not a Halloween expert, obviously, anyone listening wants to kind of point us in the right direction, please do. Um, But yeah, Universal made the decision to push it back a whole year simply because they want audiences to experience the film when the world isn't necessarily in a pandemic.
1: And presumably they want to release it at Halloween as well.
0: Yes, hence the reason why it's gone back to October 2021. Um, so it, it, it's, an, it, it's a no-brainer logic scenario here at the moment. I mean, a lot of studios are are trying to position their films where they get the most money back for their investment or their budget. And, and I think it, it kind of just raised a good point at the moment. It's like, do we just do we just write off 2020 in terms of big tentpole release releases at the moment? Because to be perfectly honest, it's like, I appreciate that. It's a good example here is tenant. I, it's like, yes, we all know that tenant is going to be at cinemas. It's never going to go to digital, but the fact is, it's like, it's like, I've been reading different stories online, uh, or different call of opinion pieces. There's one on four by Scott Mendelson, who sort of, who's trying, who's sort of, Explaining why it would make more sense to just push it back to 2021, and and again, it's like it brings in different things. It's obviously like, for example, Christopher Nolan is very passionate about cinema. We've talked about this before on the show. Hmm. He's incredibly passionate about cinema. He loves the foot. He loves the cinema experience. He loves the theatrical experience. But there, I think there's some there's some analysis saying well, the reason why he's just trying to get it out to cinemas within the next month or so is simply so he's like. I know the the savior of Hollywood or the savior of cinema in a sense. I mean, it's like
1: no, he's he's never come across as having that kind of ego to me. mm. Um, No, I I think he's just sincerely enthusiastic about showing his film. That's my impression anyway. Mm. I've never the the only hoo ha I've heard about him recently is this whole no chairs uh, (sighs) story, which seemed to be. I, I, I got the impression... It was it's clickbait.
0: Click it. It's a clickbait story, isn't it?
1: Yeah. It's like It's like,
0: oh no, he doesn't have chairs on his sets. What will happen to his
1: films? It's like, yeah, the, the racial accusations made. of ableism and it, it just, it seemed to, yeah, the Twitter hate bob seemed to get a little bit carried away that day, I felt.
0: It's like, it's like, of all the things you can get annoyed with filmmakers for, no chairs on... i <sighs> I, I, I don't. I don't even. I don't want to spend five ten minutes debating that. If, it's like
1: if, if you want if you want to di- di- um, dive into the world of problematic filmmakers, there there are oh there are tons <laughs> out there. But uh,
0: let let's yeah let's not let's let's let, let's let's stay on point a little bit here because yeah I think I'm at a stage now where I'm 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 just I'm just happy <sighs> if films are just pushed back so they get the the best returns. It's like.
1: I think everyone has taken 2020 as a whole is just a write off. The whole yeah. year is a write off. I think that's just fair to say. Mm. I mean, like, some of us are going to emerge in 2021 looking, at, you know, looking like tanks. And while well, I'm just going to be a, a spheroid of flesh mm. because um, I like food, apparently. So that's just, that's my life.
0: And food is lovely.
1: Food is lovely. I I, would be happy if we can end this year not in a Mad Max-esque dystopian nightmare. So, you know, the fact that we've had to live without Tenet or Black Widow or all these kind of things, Yeah, (laughs) As much as I love film, there are bigger priorities to deal with, you know?
0: I mean, the fact of the matter is, it's like, yeah, I I was disappointed Bond got delayed till November, but right now I just, I want the film to succeed. So Hmm. if it has to be pushed back, Further into 2021, so be it. That's the thing, because at the end of the day, you don't want your film to be associated negatively with COVID-19. It's like, yes, you can have it slightly negative. It's like, well, the film was delayed. But when it came out, it made a lot of money and it broke records set by its previous installments. Great. That's that's a good story. The story of, my film came out during COVID-19 and nobody came to see it, so my type of films will never be made again. Hello, onward. Yeah. It's kind of
1: oh, *Artemis Fowl*. Oh, *Artemis Fowl*.
0: <laughs> well, *Artemis Fowl* went to <laughs> went to streaming. So
1: actually, *Artemis Fowl* is the opposite. Disney were able to bury a movie publicly, thanks <laughs> <Yeah>. to COVID nineteen. <laughs> mm. Yeah, no, so so I'm I, I, I'm in total agreement with you. I mean, uh, if there's if, if if there's anyone out there seriously moaning about these delays and releases, I, I think you need to get your priorities right. Mm. Yeah,
0: there is there is that, but we'll we'll see how it goes on. I mean tenant's uh tenant's release date has been changed
1: that's uh, not coming out this year that's but, uh, I, that i got, i i i bet you two pounds that won't come out this year two, two two of not, the queen's pounds no, no two pounds of fat oh oh, oh. no Goose can, we fat? Two,
0: can we have two pounds of wine gums or skittles
1: You'd have a heart attack if you ate two pounds worth. I'm not going to eat gun. it all at once. <laughs> yes, you would. You're you're an animal. Oh. <laughs> I've never found you more attractive in my life. Yes, Ian. Open your mouth. Put the gummy bear there. Keep it in. And on that
0: bombshell, we'll move over to our film reviews. <laughs> how
1: come, how come every single segue is just me creeping on you? I don't know. It's just.
0: Is kind of creeping or just doing something that's totally problematic i don't know I'm not they're so not they
1: 're mut- not mutually exclusive concepts. <laughs> I could be both a creep and problematic Ian I could be both of those for you,
0: okay, fair enough, but anyway, I think on the bombshell of trying to so, Shove
1: uh, two pounds uh, worth, two pounds weight of gummy bears in your mouth.
0: This isn't about films. This is
1: about food. Of course, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> how much to link it back to cinemas? Mm. How much would it cost you to buy two pounds worth of gummy bears? You know, from the uh, the sort of pick and mix. Well, That'd be like a good seventy quid, wouldn't it? Next time we're at a cinema, we're going to see ask. what
0: their, we will see what their general price for hundred grams, and we will do some cinematic maths. I'll I bring the m- abacus. Let's let's do a segment of cinematic maths. How yeah, much that's... would it cost? <laughs>
1: I don't there know. We, go. <laughs> there we need go. I, we need a jingle for that. Obviously, you get cracking on that. Over cinematic
0: the next week. maths, maths but fun and cinematic.
1: The, the, the implication is that maths isn't fun. I don't I'm not I i do not agree with that.
0: Oh, I I, I well, B, I've, well, the bite-sized BBC have tried to make it interesting. I mean, you had Drew McIntyre, <laughs> WWE champion, trying to teach kids all about proper sentence structure. Drew McIntyre. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I can't remember talking about, but you can find the video online. It's amazing. It's like he's he's doing like real shit. He's like doing shouting and he goes also, kids, you can also add commas here and there to make it sound a little less problematic, a little less threatening. And he, still, he- does <laughs> it the same,
1: still does it in the same threatening voice. <laughs> what's, the, what's the name of his finisher? It's the bro- Claymore. Claymore, the Claymore. Does he give the Claymore to kids that only get like a D on their GCSE results or something? Yeah,
0: so the kid just opens the envelope and goes, I got a D! Claymore! <laughs> <laughs> and Justin McIntyre just flings out of a corner. I don't know.
1: Oh, my Don't gosh. give
0: me horrible sketch ideas, please.
1: We should do it, absolutely. <laughs> have you have you watched any wrestling-related movies of late? Have you oh, watched really? Money Plane, which looks, no. looks incredible?
0: But as soon as it becomes easily available on a streaming service, we will watch Money Plane and we will enjoy Money Plane. We're going
1: we're gonna to review Money Plane for this podcast, okay? I mean, it will be better than Coffee and Kareem, so... Yeah, fair enough. It's been three months since we watched that. It still stained my memory.
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <sighs> anyway, let's move on to a movie review, shall we? Yes. Sounds good. Scoob! Do you realize where we are? No. Look around, man! The clean modern aesthetic, the cool blue color palette! We're in IKEA. The Falcon Fury! Did you say Ikea? Nope, I said Falcon Fury, just like you. Shaggy and Scooby were taken?
1: Yeah. This blue light came down from the sky and beamed them up. I I can't. I I can't breathe. I have to assume that if they were with their friends, they wouldn't have been kidnapped.
0: Okay, can you skip the emotional punishment? So Scoob is a brand new release. It came out on Friday on digital platforms. Uh, It's one of the cinema home premieres, which means you pay uh, considerably a little bit more.
1: For a £15, pound, wasn't it? Yeah,
0: for a 48-hour rental.
1: And <laughs> Worth oh, every bloody penny. You shush. <laughs> 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 so
0: basically, in this animation, Scooby and the gang face the most challenging mystery ever, a plot to unleash the ghost dog Cerberus upon the world. And as they race to stop this dog apocalypse, the gang discovers that Scooby has an epic destiny greater than anyone ever imagined.
1: Or needed. Mm. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, Scoob, where do we, where do we, (laughs) it's like as you're eating the chocolate, you're trying to keep a straight face, because you know we're not going to be happy with this one, are we? (laughs) I'm
1: I'm eating my chocolate to help me with the stress for how abysmal Scoob, first of all, it's not Scoob, it's Scoob. Scoob! Because there's an exclamation point, obviously. Scoob! Scoob! Scoob. It's Scoob! Why does scooby do have his adult voice when he's a puppy. Shouldn't he sound like Scrappy-Doo? Don't
0: bring that nightmare into it.
1: And, and if Scooby-Doo is the last of this great line of dogs, spoiler, from the, from the dog of Alexander the Great, how is he the last line when he's got, a, he's got a nephew called Scrappy-Doo? In fact, my main concern in this movie is the lack of Scrappy-Doo.
0: And we're going to lose Christian Allen in a few moments. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Okay. Okay, so... Um, I was probably more infused at seeing this than Christian was. And that's only because I'm a sucker for good old school Hanna-Barbera cartoon sort of stuff. And I am not. Yes. And... The way this film was coming over to me during the whole pre-production side of things, when they were announcing, oh, we're going to do this animation, it's going to feature characters like Dick Dastardly and Blue Falcon and stuff like that, I was going, oh, so they're going to try and create like a Wreck-It Ralph style universe where all these characters exist in a way that, so that they all get on in their own little universes, but then maybe Dick is doing something that's going to just disrupt the entire Hanna-Barbera continuum and something like that. No. <laughs> no, this isn't it at all. This is like, it's like, on paper, that sounded like a nice idea. It's like, oh, they're going up against Dick Dastardly, played by Jason Isaacs here. He,
1: he um, is very good. I will, he's I will, good. I will say, interject to say that. He's very yeah. good as Dick Dastardly.
0: So you go, oh, this is a really good idea on paper, but the execution is absolutely abysmal.
1: It's terrible. Sorry, I've still got more chocolate in my mouth. You don't care. Um <laughs> This why, this, this, does, why does every bloody film need a cinematic universe? It, it's all the rage. I it's mean, it's not as range. bad as The Mummy, but my God.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, ba- so basically, the, 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 prim- the gist of this film is Scooby and Shaggy go off on an adventure with Blue Falcon, who's played by Mark Wahlberg in this, uh, to try and stop Dick Dastardly from opening the gates of Cerberus to steal gold, all that sort of stuff. But as they go through, they sort of encounter different sort of things from, like, Hannibal Barrier. And the one thing that sticks out like a sore thumb is Captain Bloody Caveman, <laughs> who turns I up mean, I mean, 20 um, minutes before the end of the film. He turns up 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes before the end of the film. They've just discovered a dino island because, you know, dinos exist in this world.
1: I mean, I I, I knew going into this that, because the, the only really competent character is Dee Dee Skies, who's the sort of sidekick mm. for the, um, in Blue this, it, for Blue Falcon, but in the original, um, Hanna-Barbera cartoon, she's actually a teen, she's the leader of the teen angels who fight alongside Captain Caveman. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, so good, I, good observation. I, I, yep, thank you. Thank you. I, I am aware of these things. So, I, when I, when I realized who she was, because she's playing, she's slightly different, well, they're all slightly different characters mm. here. Um, when I realized who she was, I assumed that she would, and she would revive Captain Caveman uh, somehow, you know, a la Captain oh. America.
0: Oh, Captain Caveman was already revived. He was just having his own sort of gladiator-style games with his friends on Dinosaur yeah, Island. I
1: mean, in terms of the story, this is very, this feels like 10 different movies <laughs> slapped together. And it's not really a good thing, is it? It's, it's, it's like, like
0: it's, good, it's going to be a Scooby-Doo mystery, but it's also going to be a superhero action film. It's also going to be a Jurassic Park-style thing. It's also going to be
1: the end of the world. I don't know what film this is supposed to be anymore. It, it doesn't do any of those things very well at all. I no, mean, at least, no, it doesn't. The, 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 the film, I'll give the film credit. It stuck, the first five minutes are quite sweet and endearing. Yeah. And, and, and it won me over. I, I think seeing the young Shaggy and puppy Scooby-Doo Bonding mm. and like dealing with his like social anxiety and things mm. like that. I That's thought, nice. oh, yeah, I thought this is oh, this is the direction the film's gonna go, and, and we're gonna watch them like grow up together. So like a proper coming of age story. Mm. Um, and then Simon Cowell turns up five minutes <gasps> in and it is not. It becomes a film you are not expecting. <laughs> it's Paras- like- Parasite is a film that things happen you weren't expecting, but it's satisfying that they do. Yeah, this is the antithesis of that kind of movie. This it's
0: is like I, I like. i like I like. It's like the reason behind that scene. I kind of guess. Obviously, they want to try and take the mystery ink forward. They want to. They want to make it better, bigger, all that sort of stuff.
1: Why would they be turning to Simon Cow? Well, the whole point of that scene is basically so Simon Cow was there to Simon Cow was being Simon Cow, and he can't act. And even in a CGI version of himself, he looks weird,
0: creepy CGI version.
1: Oh, he's even creepier than real Simon Cow, which is an an incredible achievement in itself. But the the whole point of that scene was to basically establish that uh, Scooby Doo and um, Shaggy don't actually contribute to the group because obviously you have you have Velma who's the brains. Yep. you have um you have um um fred who's the, the brawn i think it's Caffron, actually voices yeah fred yeah, and um and um D- you've got daphne obviously she's like she's the empath so she's got um so the question is what the hell do these two do now that's all well and good but you could have shown that in a in a sort of a typical 60s cartoon setup not have yeah. simon cow sit down and explain it to you why it's, bo- why it's they, they, that dynamic doesn't work mm. and it's, it's really really it's both it's strange and boring at the same time which is quite a unique achievement for a film it's
0: i think the way i looked at it, it was the moment simon Call appeared this film was start going downhill
1: <laughs> well then and then i i like i mean i, I the, the one hannah Barbera cutting i really liked as a kid was dick dastardly in the um flying machines flying machines yeah so the fact that they i didn't i wasn't real i didn't realize he was the villain Mm. Um, so that came as a pleasant surprise to me. And I like, I like what they've done with the character and with the mustard, um, uh, Dustedly. Mm. Um, but again, rather than, he doesn't have Dastardly anymore. It's just him with a series of little robots. Oh, mutley, cli- Uh, Mutley, sorry. Um, yeah. d- yes. So Dick Dastley and Mutley. So he's not there with Mutley anymore. It's just they've given him hundreds of little minion esque robots as an obvious cash in. It's, it's, it's a, it's a toy. That's the whole point. It's um, it's there to sell. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, uh, pretty much. Yeah, my I don't, I don't know about you. As, as a fan, I'd imagine you were frustrated the fact that you, you never really got to, you never really got to sort of meet the characters you're looking forward to meeting because they're just there. Yeah. They're all throwaway. I mean, end.
0: if if it wasn't Shaggy or Scooby, everyone else in this is window dressing. They yeah. are. They are. They are. Horrifically window dressed. And and it's frustrating because you actually have a decent voice cast here. You've got Zach Efron as Fred, um, Amanda Seidfeld uh as Daphne. yeah As well for Mamma Mia. Uh I think Ken Jong is the voice of Dynamut. Uh Mark Wahlberg's Blue Falcon, stuff like that. It's a decent little voice cast. I well, I say decent, I still kind of can't get over Will Forte as Shaggy. I still Prefer Matthew yeah,
1: me. I, I don't think I don't think he worked very well. Shaggy. I don't think Gina Rodriguez worked very well as Velma as well. It's
0: a bit. It was a bit of a weird one. And yeah. she's good. She's good as Carmen Sandiego in the Netflix show. She's mm. very good as Carmen Sandiego. But just it's like some most of the vo- vocal choices are fine. They're fine. They do their job. They do the job to the best abilities. It's just sometimes you just have those odd, odd ones that just stick out. Yeah. Um. I think. I think my. I think my frustration with this film is. This is like what you said. They're trying to make a cinematic universe when they really didn't really need to make a cinematic universe. They could have just <laughs> said we all these. They all exist in their own strange own universes, and they and this in this scenario they're all blending in for some well, horrible reason because Dastardly's up to something. Well, the frustrating thing is
1: that. the frustrating thing is like th- this kind of this kind of narrative was perf was perfected with Iron Man. So mm. Iron Man is two hours of a self contained narrative. Tiny Mm. little Easter eggs in the background for for the nerds to pick up on. And then one end post credit scene Mm. opens up the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. This film has gone down the same route that Batman v Superman attempted. It was just Mm. trying to, it feels like it's trying to catch up with the MCU. (laughs) Even though no one... Why are they trying to compete with the MCU? I mean, it's... it's, Again, another Warner Brothers just do not seem to understand how these huge huge franchises seem to work. Um, I mean, the, the, the Harry Potter series has been disastrous over the last couple of years. Mm. They don't understand what to do with the DC universe, and now they're trying. Now they've they've looked at the Hanna Barbera properties. They obviously have, have um, rights to, I think mm. had that for quite a while, because that's why Cartoon Network came into being. Um, and they've just yeah, let's make another franchise out of this. It's ticked off all these characters, mm. and that's what they are. They're just two dimensional. <laughs> no pun intended. They're just two dimensional characters. That they're, they're really even even the development of Shaggy and Scooby. It's it's the conflict comes so late between them and is is resolved so instantly, yeah. um, without giving too much of the plot away. Um, it's just it just felt very. It's
0: I do. It's it just, it just it was just basically oh we need to do this now oh it's all done fine yeah. everyone wins c- everyone c- can has I, a party. Can I
1: just say the Blue Falcon character was dreadful, like so infuriatingly incompetent, like. They realise Zach Bra Zach, um Brannigan is a parody, right? <laughs> not you're not meant to like Zach Brannigan.
0: Uh it was kind of I think if you want more they're doing comedy, look at the other guys. Or yeah. um or even, even um even Daddy's home, the first one. Cause that that was that, that's both when he's with Will Ferrell. So basically Will Ferrell gets him to kind of up his game a little bit. But yeah, it's just <sighs> It's just disappointing. It's like I wanted. I, I went in with low expectations because I knew some of the feedback wasn't already good, but it's it, it still. It, I I felt more frustrated than enjoyable with this film. It's like I said, there are little Easter eggs, little hidden gems in the backgrounds that I like. It's like they make references to things like Laugh Olympics, Hong Kong Fury, the Hex Girls, and it's like all those bits are wonderful.
1: They and they all- re they just they they remake the original opening secrets as well. Yeah. Um, yes. that, I, I really liked that which was amazing I really liked that <laughs> and I'm not even a big fan of the original series and I thought that was neat mm. um, but those again those little details they just seem to be they're slapped on by mm. bored animators by the, by the feel of it
0: <laughs> oh it's kind of like oh we need to make sure the adults remember that they're watching this because they watched this as a kid or something like that
1: yeah I, I, this, is, this is the first um, this is the first children's movie I've watched with references to Tinder in it so that's unique
0: Oh god, yes. Why are
1: they they've got jokes about Netflix, which is weird, because you think they'd be talking about HBO Max.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like some I, I am you know what? I am so looking forward to the screen rant pitch meeting of this. I really Oh, uh, yep, I can see. Because I think I think that one's gonna be a beautiful one. It's like, should we be making jokes about Tinder in a kids film? Yes. Ah, uh, Tinder jokes are tight.
1: <laughs> oh, no, dear, it but, was, um, but... yeah i i think i think you're right simon cowell ruined the movie and it was downhill from there oh <laughs> uh, so i mean i as as a cat as someone who obviously watched scooby-doo as a kid but hadn't, i have i haven't retained the nostalgia for it i i found it pretty banal um like and just too it's just too all over the place. There's no real focus at all. I, I couldn't, no. I couldn't invest in any of the characters because there are too many characters being thrown at you.
0: Don't um, we go Captain Caveman?
1: And Captain Caveman. Just, just there. Just, <laughs> just you know, <laughs> you know, dinosaurs. It's, it's like, it's like watching Endgame If you hadn't seen any other MCU movie. <laughs>
0: Like, who are
1: these people? Why is that they, guy giant and green? What's going on here? Did they, try to
0: cram, did, they try, did they try to cram the storytelling elegance of Endgame into a
1: 90-minute film? A 90-minute Scooby-Dooby-Doo adaptation, for God's sake. <laughs> this is, this is another, I, I, think, I think the people who made this film kind of forgot what Scooby-Doo is. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't mind do, doing something different, and that's why I, I liked the opening. I like mm. the I like the fact that we we're see, we we're seeing them meet, be like friends. a, different, a yeah. different
0: take, a different so, sort of way of explaining again, things.
1: Exactly, but that's only five minutes. So I mean, as as a as a someone who liked it as a kid but couldn't really not that emotionally connected to it, mm. I thought this was dreadful, and I'm probably never going to watch it again. Um, even if my nieces insist on it, I'll probably just walk out of the room. Um, because there are better films, so I'll just put Monsters Inc. on. That's what they should watch. Uh, what as as someone who's actually emotionally attached to this series and clear because you recently you just big bought the big Blu-ray remaster set of the original um, animation, yeah. haven't you? Mm-hmm. What did you? What was your take? <laughs> I, I <it> <laughs> how, <laughs> how do it, you spell?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm <Hey>. I oh <laughs> zoinks jinkies, all that sort of stuff. Um, I. I it's it's disappointing. I mean, because basically, I think on paper, like I said at the start of this, on paper, I think there was a good idea here. I genuinely think there was a good idea here, but yeah, all this sort of weird storytelling came in of just trying to have every possible cake and eat it, and it kind of lost it. Kind of lost the reason why people like Scooby Doo as a character, or people why or why kids enjoy like the mystery and the horror and the thrills of it all. Yeah, there's um, no
1: mystery in this.
0: No, it's just, oh, Dick Darcy's trying to take over the, the world or something. Okay. And off we go. That's so strange. You're right. I never picked up on the, that. They the, is, ooh, is this the first time a Scooby-Doo story actually hasn't had a mystery?
1: Because obviously there's, there's the first mystery they solve as, as children. But that's, yeah. That's obviously like... That's a, by accident. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like a free... Yeah. And then it skips to them having already established themselves as... um. Cause yeah. It's, it's, it's not a Scooby-Doo movie. It's not a Scooby-Doo story. No.
0: No. It's kind of like Scooby-Doo tried to make the... You're right. Scooby-Doo tried to make the Avengers. Or Warner Bros tried to make the Avengers with, with Anna Barberian characters. Scooby- yeah.
1: And it just didn't work. <laughs> well, what do you expect? <laughs> Who thought it would work? What idiots are signing off these bloody movies at Warner Brothers?
0: I, I I don't know. I don't what, know. I don't
1: think Warner Brothers are doing that well financially. There, they
0: there, probably- <laughs> is, there, is, there is a new, there's a new animated Scooby-Doo movie coming out in October. It's coming through to TV, all that sort of stuff. But it has them taking on an actual mystery based around Halloween. They've got Bill Nye, the science guy, helping out with tech. They've got right. Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, advising them on the, on the, on the monsters and all that stuff. She's- and you know what? And it's actually, it feels like, it's an actual mystery.
1: I mean, to be fair, I mean, like, people cite The Simpsons as being the first sort of, like, animated series to have guest cameos or whatnot. Mm. That's not true at all.
0: Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo, is, yeah. It's legendary. I mean,
1: yeah, even 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 after they had died, like, Laurel and, Hardy and
0: like, Oh, I was like, I I remember from one of the early videos that I owned of Scooby-Doo, because I, I owned one or two videos of Scooby-Doo when I was a, when I was a kid. The one, the 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 celebrity appearance that always stuck out was Cher and Sonny Bono. I thought
1: you were going to say Batman, but yeah, no, no, it was yeah, Sonny and Cher appeared in an episode of Scooby Doo,
0: and it was them. It was the actual voices. (laughs) It was actually them.
1: Yes, it is, isn't it? Yeah.
0: Which is even weirder. I mean,
1: people people forget just how. Much of the market Hanna Barbera controlled, mm. like for te- in terms of children's content in the well, states. Well,
0: they, th- they had things like
1: Tom and Jerry. They had the Jetsons. They had Flintstones. Insane. I mean, like it just yeah. all seemed to crumble away in the eighties. Like, mm.
0: yeah. Um, uh, random tidbit as well. That's going to really sort of blow your mind a little bit. The director of this is also, I believe, the director of Scooby Doo and Kiss crossover movie <laughs> this is in the band <laughs> i've
1: only ever seen the sequence where they the kiss they have a sort of a portal to another dimension and Or they go it on a spaceship the- and it's controlled spaceship. by them playing music it is the best worst thing i've ever seen in my life
0: and see it's already better than scoob
1: well the thing about kiss as a band right at least they were honest when they, they their intentions when they started was very much they will sell out the, mm. the, the band was formed with the intent to make as much money as humanly possible. The mm. amount of merchandise Kiss have knocked out over the last forty years is insane. Like, it's so like it, again,
0: it's again, they appeared, It's like they appeared in Family Guy. There's that whole uh, Rock School or Life of the Simmons, like Gene Simmons or something like that. Actually, had a reality show at
1: that point, of course. Because, you know that or, was or, the Osborne's knockoff, basically.
0: Yeah, that was the norm, wasn't it? Uh, and then, yeah, there's like Kiss, Kiss pinball, and all that sort of stuff. There's <laughs> a, lo- a lot. a lot of Kiss buying, out there. I
1: remember buying a WWF magazine back in like 99, 2000, and there was a whole page out on get your exclusive Kiss checkbooks. <laughs> Choose between each pair. <laughs> like,
0: what is this? Who wants it? <laughs> who who, who in the right mind would write a, a checkbook with Kisses doing the.
1: Oh. oh, I'll have Star Child or Star Cat or whatever they're called. I don't know. I, I'm an Iron Maiden fan. Iron Maiden, they, they're the opposite. They, they intentionally decided never to sell out. So the, oh. the, the, only, the only thing they put their name to is their own brew of beer called The Trooper. <laughs> that, that's. <laughs>
0: Oh, never mind. Right, I think I, right. Th- I
1: think I said this last week. I know a bit of a tangent, but you mean, we were talking about Eurovision last week. Did I? I did say that Iron Maiden were the only British band that would win, right?
0: Uh, two episodes ago. Yes, oh, last two, week we was didn't...
1: that two weeks? Oh God.
0: <laughs> yeah, last, last week we were talking about the guy Richard Double, which you can listen to now on all good podcast channels. Excellent,
1: excellent. Yes,
0: yeah. excellent. Excellent segue there. Anyway, let's let's just get Scuba and done with star rating
1: two that's two. Being ge- that's being generous. <laughs>
0: i i can't give it anymore.
1: more i can't I, uh, like, I i it's the reason i wouldn't give it one star is because this film is inoffensive
0: the fact is that the fact is i think for a normal kid audience i think that if they'll watch it they'll probably accept it for 90 minutes it's only 90 minutes long they'll accept it and they'll carry on into like normal normal childhood activities and all that sort of stuff whereas i think I think for the kids, the film will work okay. I think for adults who have that nostalgia or have that remembrance of Scooby-Doo, they are going to struggle with this. Yeah. And, I think, and, that, and, that's, and that's where it falls down. Because the way I look at family films is a family film should not just be for the kids, but it should also be able to be appealing to the adults as well. And yeah, that's absolutely. Why,
1: it should be multifaceted.
0: And that's why certain, certain films like Pixar and stuff like that always get it right. Because there's that balance. There's stuff for the kids to enjoy, but there's also a story narrative that adults can resonate with hmm. or engage with or emphasise with. Whereas Scoob, unfortunately, is a family film which focuses on uh, being bright and noisy for the kids, having so many wacky current references, you know, for the kids <laughs> to understand. It's,
1: it's been 20 years and Shrek is still ruining kids' movies.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And I love uh, I love Shrek, but it's, uh, it's been... It's had a terrible effect on the quality ah. of children's films,
0: but yeah, you know what? So, there you go. That's that's all we can say really on Scoop. Scoob gets two stars here on the Bunkerzilla Film Raw, and you know what? It's time to talk about. Let's move on to Netflix and talk about the old
1: guard. Who are you? You can call me Andy. I lead a group of soldiers fighters
0: like you with an extremely rare skill set what do you mean mother
1: let's just say we're very hard to kill you've got questions kid you want answers?
0: So this is Netflix's brand new film, stars charlie's Ferron, as the leader of a group of mercenaries who are not just mercenaries, they're immortal mercenaries um, who secretly sort of do jobs to sort of, for some reason, basically they sort of survive by doing what they're good at, being soldiers and so forth. So they've just been living through the years, the hundreds, the centuries, all that sort of things. But unfortunately, their, their secret of being immune to death has now been exposed and they have to fight to keep their secret identity a secret, as well as bringing on a new recruit who is uh, a young U.S. Marine played by uh, Kiki Lane, who gets fatally uh, wounded in Afghanistan, but discovers that she's
1: not dead. And that scares it's, it's, a lot of it's people. It's High- Highlander rules, basically. It seems pretty
0: much be. Highlander rules in a <laughs> sense. But they don't. But they don't actually explain what happens if someone got completely blown
1: up or decapitated. Or oh, I don't think like yes. that. Yeah. The head it's, just it's, kind of
0: the head just kind of draw back just kind of pull it's, away? it's, I don't it's know. not
1: quite one of my favorite I, I do love watching wolverine in those movies just slowly regenerate so um, oh, yeah, yeah. That, that kind of i mean this film is lacking in budget which we'll probably talk about in a moment anyway but yeah mm. it's um it's, it's an interesting concept i was unfamiliar with the um the original comic or graphic novel
0: yeah i didn't realize this was based on a graphic novel um the script is written by the the writer of the of the novel itself, uh, Greg Rucker, And I think the last time we had this was last days of American crime. And we all know how that turned out.
1: <laughs> but well, the, uh, but, but oh, uh, yeah.
0: the old guard is not the last days of American crime. So it's, no. it's, it's not anywhere on that level. So we're already off to a good start.
1: Yeah, I, I was really, I was, my expectations were very low because to mm. be honest, every action um, film we've watched from Netflix has been, Middle ground at best, sort of like maddeningly terrible at worst, like the last mm. days of American crime, which I still think that movie itself is a crime. Mm. Um, a crime to humanity. Uh, this is definitely the best Netflix film we've watched, I feel. I, I found the plot really interesting because, um, I mean, mm. there's it, an element of it well, you've seen time and time before. Mm. I mean, it's, it's an, it's an origin, a, a superhero origin story. Yeah. And yeah. there is, there is, there are elements to it which are a bit too uncomfortably close to the X Men series, I feel. Mm. Um, but I was never bored. I found the characters quite compelling. Yeah, I, it's it's good,
0: bun- a good bunch. Even for your immortal mercenaries, the char- they all have their own sort of unique characteristics. Yes, and you they, kind of, they, and you kind of enjoyed them bonding as a team. Mm,
1: no, absolutely. There was um, the, the, That was pretty much from the off. Um, there's, I mean, in terms of the the progressive element of the fit of the story there's a lot of i i would really recommend this to uh, my lgbt plus friends Mm. um they are two of the cup um two characters who (laughs) a european crusader and a um a uh, Muslim warrior who obviously killed each other in the 1200s.
0: Many, um, many times. <laughs> they many, might many bad. times. <laughs>
1: we discovered uh, you know, discovered that they are actually madly in love with one another and have spent the last eighteen, sorry, eight hundred years. We need to get. We need more of that maths, that more cinematic maths. maths. Cinematic <laughs> maths. Yeah. Spent so the last eight hundred years um, um, together, and um, yeah, the, the way they describe their relationship is um, generally quite beautiful. Mm. Um, so there's a Oh cuz
0: cuz yeah cuz there's a, there's a scene where um, so the the main the main crux of the story is their the secret about their eternal life has been uncovered or rumbled by someone who's wanting to use their gifts for, for, for good and that's uh, that's copely paid by uh Tell 84 well done. And, yep. Thank you. And the he kind of sell he kind of liaises this on to like a pharmaceutical company, who want to then decide you know what harvest we we need to capture them and harvest their organs and stuff like that so we can understand why they're so immortal. And when two of the t- when these two are captured, the 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 the, 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 the crusader and and
1: it's a use of Finicola the characters I believe. Yes.
0: Yes. Um, when they get when they get captured and they kind of make a joke about oh you guys are. You guys are gay, he's your boyfriend, and Marwan Kennzani does this big sort of mini monologue, which is amazing That's
1: oh, a beautiful soliloquy, and then, yeah and then, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, saying no, he's more than my boyfriend he's he is someone who I will live for die for and all that stuff and
1: we 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 can't do it justice with the no, most it's, <laughs> it's, it's a lovely scene
0: it is a lovely scene, and he like and I think that's one of the strengths of the old guard, it's like we said the the group of mercenaries themselves. The, the cast and and the performances and and the rapport they have with with each other it's it's good it's enjoyable it's kind of like I like it's like even it's a even if it's a quiet scene and they're talking about stuff and they're kind of flashbacks it's like oh I it's like I died by Napoleon I died with Napoleon it's like okay this is interesting <laughs> tell me more <laughs> well I just I just I just like that and I think I think with the old guard on paper and I think with a, with a, a studio behind it that was wanting to be a bit more risky. I think this could have been a really good blockbuster at cinema. I really yeah. think it
1: could. I, absolutely. But I mean, Charlize Theron has, uh, as a lead of an action, because let's face it, she is the lead of Mad Max Fury Road. Tom Hardy is, the, is a, he's a close second. Yeah. Unless um, not disparaging to Tom Hardy at all. It's just the reality. It's a Furiosa movie. She, she's proved that she can lead these great um, action movies. I've, oh. uh, um and so, yeah, my my only criticism of the film is it's it's quite it's a reversal of a lot of um, films we've watched lately. is the fact yeah. that the story is very is it's it's it's, it's not great, but it's it's, it's compelling enough and it, it is good. It's above average for this kind of thing. I felt yeah, Um it kind of it had a bit of a, a, a sort of like nineties noughties comic book hero vibe to it. Did. it. Yeah. it did. Um, yeah, which is quite a nice throwback sort of. Pre Dark Knight, pre Iron Man, mm. um, and yeah, it's um, the, the cast. The cast is very good. The ensemble works very well, and the characters mm. are very compelling. It was really <laughs> the, the main. The main bad guy, what's his name? Um, the Merrick Pharmaceutical. Yeah. I, I didn't realise that was um, Harry Melling, You know, Dursley. <laughs> Yeah. from the harry potter movie it's like, like he,
0: he's like you looked awfully familiar from somewhere
1: it was, just, it was, just, it was bugging me all the way through it's like he it kind of reminds me no he's not Ramsay bolton who is he it's someone else like, <laughs> like and then you mentioned it earlier i was like oh but he's um he does a very good job of playing the sort of like sort of a farmer douchebag asshole yeah you, you cannot wait to die it's i mean i, I would say it's a spoiler but it's you kind of you kind of know where all the beats of this movie are going. Um, mm. So, but yeah, it's, in terms of the story. It's a lot better than I thought it was going to be. And I was, I was thoroughly entertained, but in terms of the filmmaking itself, I, I found yeah. it very lackluster. It felt more, it, it looked more like, um, a, a sort of E4 drama, like Misfits or sort of like, um, Doctor Who under the reigns of Russell T Davies. And, yeah. um, yeah, if this was if this movie was a bit longer and cut up in like forty minute chunks, I could I can imagine this being like a Channel Four uh, like mini series. Um, yeah. And that, again, that's not that's not disparaging in itself. It's just that you kind of expect more, especially mm. when when the the other Netflix movies, the more action orientated ones we've watched, have looked pretty good. Yeah, um, the Chris Hemsworth one. Uh, what was it called? Extraction. Again? Extraction. Extraction thingy. Extraction. I thought that looked great. Um, mm. I mean, um, but it's just the story was a bit naff. That was my problem here is the other way around. It's just a bit flat and muted. The Nothing seems to... The only real exception, there's a few flashbacks to scenes in sort of like, I'm not entirely sure where, but it's sort of like Asia Minor in the sort of like 1200s or so. It, it, it's kind of left to your imagination, but it's... it's yeah. Um, yeah, scenes that look like they've been lifted out of Conan the Barbarian. They They, they feel yeah. a bit more lively in, in its um uh, but yeah it's just I don't know did you feel the same way?
0: Yeah i I think ultimately it's like I like the film. I it's like I liked the I liked the story, I liked the universe and yeah they do some sequel baiting towards the end but you know what it's like if,
1: it, if it's it came, it's nowhere near as bad as Scoop. No <laughs> no 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 no
0: no um yeah it's like the it's a big issue for me, like you said, is the film, for me, is visually dull.
1: It's, it's kind it, of, it's not even desaturated. It's just not, it's the art direction is non-existent. It's just, it just feels like, it just feels
0: like this is supposed, this is coming like, it's like a Netflix TV show. And it's like, I was chatting to other people on, on Facebook about it as well. It's like going, this feels like they were trying to aim for like a series and they did a little movie to prove that they could make a series out of it. I mean,
1: it could it could very well be a backdoor pilot. I mean, yeah. that's, I mean, I, I, and again, I think this has, uh, the potential to be a good series. Um, even, mm. even if it's, um, however Netflix want to present it as, tel- yeah. as a, as a quote, so-called television series or whatever, or another film. I, I just feel like it needs a bit more, um, just, An ash. Yeah. Yeah. It needs a bit more of a of sort of a visual spark to it. Because I mean, it did feel it did feel kind of amateurish at times, and it, that surprised me because I'm, I'm not I'm not familiar with the director's backlog. Um, uh, the
0: director, I believe, is so one Gina of the, Prince
1: uh, Bifred, I believe. Yes, uh, Bifred,
0: Yeah, uh, she's well known for a lot of independent flair, like uh, Love and Basketball, the Secret Life of Bees. Uh, I've heard of that.
1: Yeah.
0: Trying to think, oversee here. Uh, Beyond the Lights as well. Uh, yeah it's like there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of good sort of um independent art house films there or and, drama, and i and drama i, do, films I do
1: like i do like the fact that a film like filmmaker like her is being given i was saying being given is earning the opportunity to make these kind of movies mm. um it's it's nice that there's a fresh sort of a fresh yeah um Fresh face because I mean, I, 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 how many times are we going to get a Zack Snyder esque film or a Joss Whedon esque filmmaker yeah. do these kind of things? So I, mm. I do. I, it does. It does feel like I say there are elements that are very derivative of other uh, probably better um, comic book movies, but there's a lot. There's a lot of freshness to it. I, I, I think the positive representations throughout the, the, mm-hmm. the diverse casting works really well here. It, nothing feels shoehorned yeah um, it doesn't it was, feel
0: it feels natural
1: yeah it's very often and the performances really help that as well mm. um yeah i it's frustrating because there's a lot of positives to take from this i I would recommend it i really really yeah. would recommend this film give, like, it, give it a watch if you've got a
0: Netflix subscription and you want a nice sort of two hour kind of not not fully sort of intense, but I think it's it's a bree- again it's like it is a breezy affair for for a comic book film. But the fact is you like you said you don't feel it doesn't feel like a chore it there's stuff to really enjoy with it it's just the frustrating thing is it's like it's like part of me thinks Netflix weren't fully confident in this and that's yeah. why it looks so drab
1: it like, might it might be I don't know what the budget of this was but it is it's, it's yeah
0: it's like look, it's like it's like the pharmaceutical building. Oh, where it's the dreadful. most of the family. it just looks like <laughs> it's like oh, we've just found a, an office for hire. We're just we're just borrowing floors two to seven to film our film. Yeah, everything else is everything else is fine.
1: It's, I, I've it's I've awesome. seen student movies that look better. Like um, <laughs> I mean it, it's a shame because the actually the, the action choreography throughout the film works very well. Oh, the... I,
0: I I love the double teams they sometimes do because mm. it's like there's I think there's one towards the start where it's like one of them kind of just like they shoot someone with a shotgun but then they throw the shotgun down for someone else to kind of stomp on it or kind of kick it to, to do another kill somewhere else
1: oh yeah I, I, I like the way they're defensive towards one another that like they take yeah. bullets for each other because they can mm. uh, there's little details of like that which I, I haven't quite seen before and I thought it yeah. really unique and um, yeah and, and, and the villains are generally quite despicable so it's always quite fun seeing them being get hurt their get their comeuppance absolutely um, I do. I do find the, the James Copley character. Um, Edge of Four seems to. He seems to found a niche in Hollywood where he plays the sort of, the secondary character who's kind of on the verge of being either a hero or a villain. You're never I quite st- sure. Like, like in, I, like in Stray- Doctor Strange and.
0: Yeah, I still remember him as like quite really terrified in Serenity. I haven't. I, like, I haven't
1: seen Serenity
0: because because he's because it's kind of like, think that character from the old guard, but put up with the fact that he's very happy to kill people to make sure it works or to get his way. Because there's this wonderful scene at the start where he's, where he's just killed a doctor, like the, this operative has killed a doctor, and he's just gone, you've done fine work, amazing work, but unfortunately you have to die. <laughs> and, and it's kind of like, he's like, he thinks that he's like, he believes he's being very noble but he's also going about it in a very frighteningly violent way. Um, yeah, it's, it's slightly
1: diff- I'd imagine it's slightly different to this, this performance.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like, I want to do things right, but I need to get involved with some shady pharmaceutical companies
1: first. Well, I, f- I find the moral ambiguity of the character quite interesting. I mean, like, mm. as much as I enjoyed the, the, the pharmaceutical boss character, he is, a ca- he is a two-dimensional caricature.
0: You can find uh, him in any sort of Yeah, like
1: he's, a, he's a kind of throwaway villain. I mean, he's entertaining, and Harry mm. Melling does a very good job. Um but again he's he's just a bit Yeah, it's not he's not compelling really. Mm. Um Well, Edge of Four's character is definitely more interesting. Um if 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 you like his work in this actually, I do recommend um I think it's two thousand and four release called Dirty Pretty Things. Which, um mm. going back to my teenage crush Audrey Tattoo, um yeah, it's a film a film about um uh, illegal immigrants living in London, sort of like surviving basically, and uh, it, it the film deals with um illegal organ. Um, harvesting and things like that mm. it's, it's 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 um it's a pretty gritty movie but it's a very compelling piece i would recommend i think it's probably my favorite film to feature him um mm. that isn't dr strange because i love dr strange but um <laughs> <laughs> watch dr strange as well it's kind of like this movie but with a budget yeah i i i think i think you're right i i feel it feels like netflix weren't confident in this to and and mm. the, and the filmmakers are working with what they've got thankfully yeah. what they've got is a, a, a very good story it's a, this is an mm. above average comic book movie in terms yeah. of script and its characters yeah um uh and and it's competently directed the action sequences work really well um mm. i i i just it just needed more it just needed it just
0: needed, it just needed that it just needed that visual wow <sighs> 'Cause there are just
1: there are there is a lot of very bad comic book movies out there that have been given 50, 60 million dollars to yeah. me. <laughs> and um Yeah, it's
0: like they have it's like they have a great they get have a great aesthetic or a great sheen, but when you get to the actual substance it's
1: hollow. it's, it's hollow. Yeah, Where, whereas bluff. here it's
0: the other way around, the substance for the old guard is is really good. Mm. It's just they just went, uh oh, nick of paint. Nick of paint,
1: yeah, paint, But I mean maybe <laughs> maybe that's a, maybe the positive way of looking at this film is that it's um it's it's entertaining despite the fact that it's clear. Mm. I mean, we're just, we're just, um, we're just guessing, but my, my impression from watching this is that there was no support. Um, mm. Cause I mean the budget, it just, yeah, the budget just doesn't seem to have been a, yeah. a, a thing here. I I mean, I, I know student filmmakers who could have made, made the same film, Um the same, in terms of the same effects, same sets. The only difference is obviously they wouldn't be able to hire Shelleys for on. So.
0: Yeah. And probably one or two other members of the cast, for that matter, as well. Well,
1: the entire cast, to be honest. I mean, mm. um, but yeah, the the, the characters. Yeah, I, I. Despite the, I'm more frustrated that it could have been better, but I'm glad we got the I'm glad we got a good film anyway. Yeah. And and I really really hope we get more of this because you're right. There, there's a bit of sequel baiting. It's not. Mm. It's not. It's not as bad as Scooby Doo. <laughs> or, or Batman v Superman. It's nowhere near that level of.
0: Because the sequel bait, I just went oh oh, and yes. I kind of go, and I kind of went, and that's an oh, it's like I want to see what happens next because it's like okay, well this is a, going to happen.
1: Well Looking at the Netflix charts, this film's number one already. So yeah. I mean, like, and, it, and it has there's been sizable marketing I've noticed.
0: Yeah, they've been pushing this one. Yeah. So hopefully, maybe Netflix have kind of gone oh we we should support this now. It's like we didn't support this during the filming, but it's like oh we actually have a a good thing going on here hmm. <laughs> or something well, like that i know i know some of the reviews i've been looking i've been looking across some of the other
1: i haven't read any reviews, reviews for this
0: they it's weird cuz they kind of go three stars to around two stars i guess and it's like no, i would say i, I, I would say, say I, i'd say i'd be very happy to give this maybe three uh, three and a half at the most of course i, cause I it, to me it's just it's just that aesthetic that visual look to the film it's the thing that really derails it and it's upsetting.
1: Yes. Um, um if like I say if if you were watching this as a if this was an E4 drama, yeah. uh, supernatural drama, you'd probably rate it higher because well done television, you did a good job. Um but this is Netflix. This <laughs> is this Netflix. Is- yeah. And, and Skydance, Sky at- Skydance yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yes, I forgot this is Skydance as well and they've been responsible for like the last few Mission Impossible and
1: Star Trek I think as well and yeah yeah so they're, it's they're, like... That-
0: it's like where's where's the money coming in from them going oh yeah make this film look like a million bucks and it's probably what 50 probably 30 40 or something like
1: that yeah I don't know
0: we need we need to get the numbers on that one but yeah
1: I, I like I said there. there are, it's above average for this kind of movie certainly I want to see more mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of good going into it I would highly recommend it um um p- yeah, I, I think I was feeling four if I was being very generous, but I think three and a half is probably a, a more dispassionate. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd say I, f- I'd, I'd say it's a solid three and a half. Uh, that's not a disparaging like star rating at all. I mean, no, no. That's it's star- like I said,
0: there is a lot of good here. It's just, and I'll probably watch are- it
1: again a few times. So I, 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 I've yeah, I'm surprised that I've taken to this film as much as I have. I, I really want more.
0: Good, good. There we go. So I think we're in agreement. Old Guard, three and a half stars here on FilmRaw. And that is going to pretty much wrap it up for another episode. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. As always, do get in touch with your thoughts about the films that we've covered by throwing us an email at filmroar at bunkerzilla.co.uk. You can also follow Bunkazilla UK on Facebook, Twitter, and of course, Twitch at Bunkazilla UK. So until next time, stay safe, enjoy your movies, and I've been Ian Bolton, joined by Krishna Allen. Goodbye. Adios.